No, just because you yelled louder doesn't mean that you win the con the argument. Radio Drone. Thursday nights are where Josh Hadley bores you, and, well, Cecil T. Robot will eventually screw up the Adam and Eve promo, right? That's inevitable. And then Alex Fisteater Jowski is also here. I don't necessarily eat them in my mouth. And we have a special guest this week. All the way from over there, Diamanda Hagen is joining us. Yes, I'm back. And it is... Oh, it's only ten past four. Nah, still early. For you. It's only 10 p.m. for me. So Time zones! Cecil, since you are going to inevitably screw up the Adam and Eve promo, have at it. Well, let's see how I do this week. If you go to adamandeve.com and use the promo code DROME, you get three, three free DVDs, a free mystery gift, and something else that uh, I forget what it is. 50% off of 50 a single item. 50% off a single item and in a free mystery gift and uh, at the promo code DROME at adamandeve.com. Thank you for living up to your middle nickname. So this week's topic, we're going to look at those relatively rare occasions where the sequel to a film is better or at least as good as the original. Because we all know the diminishing returns of quality when it comes to sequels. Usually they're not as good. And there are the rare occasions where that is the exception. What would be a pick you have for a movie that maybe isn't better than the original, but is as good as the original? Well, first, a uh, thing about sequels, because, you know, most films are crap. So then if you're going to have a sequel, you can, most of them are going to be crap. It's just basic statistics. So what you need to do if you want to have sequels that are better, you have to make more sequels and you have to make sequels to bad films. Because if they're already bad, they have a lower baseline to get past to be good. Sounds like you're really hitting a low bar. <laughs> but um, a sequel that's better than the original. Um, okay, I'm going to kick us off with something that's not at all controversial, because I'll talk about controversy later on, and just say Empire Strikes Back. I would agree with that. Yeah, no one yells at me. I would mostly agree with it because it is a much better made film. Although it didn't break new ground as much as the original did. It didn't have the freshness of creating a genre the way Star Wars did, but it is a Empire is a much better made film. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, uh, Star Wars is the, the first. I mean, it, it was very revolutionary at the time, and it, it holds up. But Empire was the better directed film, and it was cool because it was such like a down ending. It was like you weren't expecting that. You weren't expecting it to kind of be depressing and dark. Not that Dark makes a good movie, but it was just something that I think a lot of people weren't expecting. And it is so much more of a fulfilling story. And yeah, it just it is. That's why, I mean, it's a lot of people's favorite Star Wars movies. Or star, But ironically, uh, George Lucas says that this is the worst of all the Star Wars films. It's also the Star Wars film he had the least involvement in. Exactly. I wonder if, I wonder if those things are at all related, huh? Hmm, yes. One yeah. has to wonder. <laughs> well, I'd love to go two or three 
parallel universes across and see what David Lynch's Return of the Return of the Jedi would have been like? I would have loved that. I I would hope it would have been kind of Dune esque, but I'm probably one of the few people that actually likes Dune Lynch's Dune, so there's that. Oh, I liked Lynch's Dune as well. It's far better than uh, the more accurate TV version, but was a but was ultimately a parade of silly hats. The TV well, version was just honestly, it was boring. It was it was like a stage play that happened to be shot for television. Do you know who directed that? Yes, the composer of the music for Day of the Dead. Not only that, he was the guy who got a he was the zombie who got a screwdriver in his head in Dawn of the Dead. Speaking of Dawn of the Dead, I love Night of the Living Dead. Okay. I think that is as groundbreaking and relevant as most other people do. Dawn, I can't say is better, but is easily the same level of quality while being quite a different film. Dawn of the Dead versus Night, it is, I'll agree with you, definitely the same level of quality. One thing that really sticks out is the social commentary that Dawn has. When everybody came out saying that Knight had that racial commentary, when the director was like, no, I cast a black guy because he auditioned really well, called out the social commentary well, about There it. was social commentary that wasn't the race thing, though. It was the whole, in his mind, the new society, you know, hippies, in this case, literally swallowing the society of the past. So it might not have been the racial, but there was commentary there. There was, but with Dawn, it was commentary f- for its its time. Like, he could never have made Dawn in 60. Even if he had a billion dollars, he would not have made that same movie because the malls, the consumerism did not exist then for him to comment on. But um, if something something does not have to be deliberate for there to be commentary, commentary can be by accident because you're absorbing sort of ideas and concepts from the thing ar- world around you and, and they're ending up in the film. So the thing of the racial component in Night Living Dead, w- whether it was intended or not, it's there. And yeah. it was of the time. And in fact, it creates a better commentary because people have spoken about it, even though he never intended that. Yeah. It also got the film banned in some southern states, too, cause just, just for the scene where Ben smacks Barbara around. Okay, I the first Living Dead film I saw, I mean, Romero Living Dead film I saw, was um, was Day, and then Dawn, and then Night. So... I saw a night, by the time I saw a night, any kind of shockingness of the whole thing was completely out of it for me. So I could, I, I wasn't able to go into the film fresh. I'm going to be where I'm going to be lightly controversial. I don't think Romero has made a, a bad zombie film yet. Some are better than others. Survival. No, the worst part of a survival was everyone being Irish. Apart from that, I was fine with it. And the bad CGI. Apart from that, I was, I was okay with it. My favorite of the out of the out of the Living Dead films is is Day. Day's I can't I can't disagree with you. I think Day is actually probably the strongest of all of them, just as a movie. I just don't think it's the strongest as a commentary. Well, uh, yeah, there's not much in the way of commentary there. There's a little bit, but, but but that's because most of the commentary had to be cut away whenever he had to rewrite his script to lower the budget, if I remember correctly. I love the original Night of the Living Dead, but for me personally, I always thought that Dawn was the strongest of the movies. It just had that magical concoction that just everything worked. The the commentary worked was really it was really strong. 
I loved the dynamic between the characters. I loved uh, the the way it started with uh, you know with the, with the news report and with them going into the building and and just going and finding the mall. Like oh, it just it was so good. It was so well paced. It, it just it's it's cool because it's one of those movies where the movie would have ended with the group all just kind of living in the mall and not being bothered. Like and they kind of ended it with I would have been fine with that. Like it didn't, it almost didn't need Savini and all the bikers to come in and trash the joint. And then the zombies came in and all hell broke loose. That was kind of how I, like I felt because it was so, uh, the characters were so interesting and it was just cool to see them surviving in this world. And that kind of set it apart for me. Yeah. I I love Dawn and uh, I, I, I'm, I, I like all of uh, Romero's movies, but I have to agree that survival is definitely the weakest of the bunch. Uh, Dawn is, is the best for me. While it's not as good as its predecessors, land of the dead is really underrated. And I like land a lot. Alex Land is awesome. Land people really should give land another shot. It got like panned when it came out. And a lot of people are like, Oh, Romero's lost it by this. Well, it's because you gotta remember, you gotta remember though when that came out, the whole commentary on George Bush and Dennis Hopper being a cipher for George Bush was, I think, a still a little too fresh. Now that you can look back at it, I think people are more willing to accept, eh, Romero was kind of onto something, you know? I thought it was genius for him to get Dennis Hopper to star in it, given that Dennis Hopper was a bit of a neocon, which was hilarious because he was basically playing Donald Rumsfeld. I'm sure the dump truck full of money helped. Probably did, but it was, it was amusing casting. Too close to home. You've you've got some of the classic sequels that everyone always says are as good as the original. Some of these I agree with, such as The Road Warrior. I like Mad Max just fine. Road Warrior is a far superior movie. Aliens, I put it right on par with Alien, because I think they're both fantastic films in just completely different ways. Star Trek II, obviously better than the motionless picture. Evil Dead II, I just enjoyed it a lot more than I did the first one. Alex, I know you love Hellraiser 2 more than the first one. Yes. And then I like Beneath the Planet of the Apes and Conquest of the Planet of the Apes better than the original. I know that might be sacrilege, but that's what I feel. (sighs) Beneath. Oh, God. It's it's like I don't know you. Well, well, he he didn't say escape. No, God, no, not escape. I like escape. The, the The only Planet of the Apes ones from the original set that I don't like are Beneath and Battle. Nobody. See, I likes love it. Beneath. You want to? You thought Empire Strikes Back had the downer ending? How about How about Taylor blowing the planet up to spite Doctor Zaius? That's a downer ending. The only reason I continued to watch past Beneath was I'm like, wait, how did they make five more sequels after he blew the planet up? They only made three, but okay. Yeah, three. I'm I'm still baffled that they managed to turn Battle for the Planet of the Apes into a decent film with Dawn. I'm just like. You want you have to remake a, another Planet of the Apes film. You choose that one. Why don't you just bring in the fucking psychics underneath the fucking subway? They were cool with all their fake skin and worshiping a bomb. It was so seventies. <laughs> if I want to see that, if I want to see that, I'll just watch Logan's Run. I've got Adam's Family Values. I really enjoyed a hell of a lot more than the Adam's Family. And for a movie that was based on a TV show, a sequel to a movie based on a TV show. And see that one I didn't I didn't really like, but I like some of the gags in. I think both Adams Family movies have the same problem. The plots suck, 
but some of the individual parts are good. Interestingly, that we refer to both Adam's Family movies when there's actually three. There's a third one? Oh, yeah, it's Adam's got Comedy Union. Totally different cast, and it's pretty bad from what I hear. I've never ventured into it. Okay, Tim I Curry even know. Play, Tim oh. Curry plays, uh, plays um, Gomez. Gomez. Yeah. Well, that's actually not bad casting, really. It, yeah, you'd think that casting would work better than it does, but he's got a terrible fake accent and everything. I agree with Adam's Family Values. Okay, I love the 1960s live-action Adam's Family series, and I love Adam's Family Values. And the Adam's Family, Barry Sonnenfeld's first one, feels to me like an uneven mishmash of the two tones of the 60s high camp and the Adam's Family Values darker, more grounded. And I like both of the approaches. I don't like it when they're crossed over the same reason I don't like Batman Begins, because it feels like a cross between Tim Burton's version and Dark Knight. I'm skipping Spider-Man 2 because I don't want to argue it with you. Because Spider-Man 2 was terrible. I enjoyed it. That's fine if you enjoyed it. I just disagree with you. Uh, I've got, well, we match on Star Trek 2. Terminator 2 I liked a lot more than the first one, Judgment Day. See, that one I love as a movie, but I still think the first Terminator, maybe because I saw it at 9... At the drive-in, it sticks with me more. The The first Terminator, I just think, is the better film of the two, but that's not taking anything away from Terminator 2. Out of those two, uh, roughly the same sort of level. They're both very good. I would even go so far as to defend the third one, even though it's completely pointless. It's a complete retread. I mean, the third one is not its not brilliant, but it's much better than the fourth <laughs> It's not like, saying much. It's kind of like saying I'd rather be stabbed than shot. Well, it's true. But the um, like the fourth one, they cast Christian Bale as as John Connor. Well, at least Nick Stahl was believable as the same character as from Terminator 2. I didn't buy that, but you're entitled to you're entitled to be wrong. Well, he's he's a small, wiry guy who whines a lot, just like he was in two. <laughs> well, we 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 already argued about four uh, on Geek Juice, so I'm not even going to bring that up. And you like and you, yes, you totally lost that conversation. Uh, I remember. No, we did. No, just because you yelled louder doesn't mean that you win the con- the argument. Terminator and Terminator Two are rough for me because they're both really good movies. Well, they're both awesome movies. They're two of my all time favorite movies. The first one is so ground uh, groundbreaking, and then the second one is just this action packed really cool inventive flick and so it's kind of hard to, to to kind of decide which one is better i kind of put them both i would say like on par with each other because they both do different things really amazingly well so i love both of them so i kind of put them equal kind of like what i did with alien and aliens well the right. reason i put terminator 2 higher than terminator 1 is while terminator 1 is a wonderful science fiction action film and terminator 2 is also a wonderful science fiction action film with revolutionary special effects but it also tried to present an ethical and moral theme to it which was lacking from the first film it, you know, Fair the first enough. film was a popcorn flick through and through. The second one was a popcorn flick that tried to say something about the human condition. The first one was more of a horror film. I have Nightmare on Elm Street 2. What? I like Nightmare on Elm Street 2, but I like Nightmare on Elm Street 3 better, so I'll kind of disagree with you on that. Nightmare on Elm Street accidentally homoerotic. That is why. It's it, it's not <laughs> even by accident. That's what made cause... him come out, I think. It's it's brilliant because this screenwriter wrote this script about, you know, with all the homoeroticism in it, where I, I watched that movie, I'm like, 
Freddy is his gay id. This kid is trying to come out and everything. And, you know, it's not even about Freddy. And that he wrote this homoerotic thing and the director just didn't get it and shot everything. Oh, it's on the page. Shoot it just like that. You know, it, it was the way that the, the writer wrote this. The director didn't get it and shot it as is. It just comes off brilliantly better than, oh, you know, Nightmare on Elm Street. It's a pretty okay horror film. I appreciate good trolling, but it's not a good film. The, uh, the Child's Play films, with the exception of three, there hasn't been a bad one. I'll disagree with that. I thought two was well, terrible. Obviously. And, uh, two Bride, of, Bride of Chucky was terrible, and I haven't seen Seed of Chucky because... Bride was f***ing brilliant. Ugh. And so was Seed, and so was Curse. In Ugh. fact, I have, this, I have this interesting sort of theory that horror film series that get remakes, you know, the big franchises from the 80s that get remakes, they, the remakes tend to be crap. However, if you have a long-delayed sequel, they tend to be fine. It's, it's quite weird. One more, which is... It's technically a twofer. It's for a few dollars more and good, the bad, and the ugly. They're not better than, but they are definitely on the same level. In fact, good, bad, and the ugly, I will say, is better than its predecessors, but they are on the same level as Fistful of Dollars. I don't. I haven't seen any of them since I was a kid, so I'll just say you're probably right on that one just to hedge my bets. This, someone's going to throw something at me. I can't recall if I've seen them all the way through because I, I don't like westerns. It's one of the few genres I really don't care for. I don't like I like specific westerns. Like I don't like the genre as a whole. Like I can't sit down and just enjoy a random western. It has to be Leone. That's about it. I am not a big western guy, so I haven't seen a lot of them. Okay, well let me run through just real quick the ones that I kind of agree with the general populace on. Road Warrior 2, Terminator 2, Wrath of Khan, Friday 13th it's... Part 3. Oh, yes. If, if we're going Friday the 13th, I got to go Part 6, Jason Lives. I don't have anything against any particular Friday the 13th until we get to 8 and 7, kind of. But I think 6 is the strongest one of that franchise because it was the only one that I think successfully melded the humor with the horror. The others kind of tried and I think failed. This, I don't know. 6 just sat with me the best. I- I'm going to go with Cecil on 3 there. I mean, I do enjoy it. Steve Miner, he hits that, that line between camp and seriousness just about perfectly. The other thing is, I watched, that was the first Friday the 13th movie I watched, and I was like seven, and Showtime was dumb enough to show it at like noon on a Tuesday or something in the middle of July. Wow. I was three. Three was the only time in a slasher film where I wanted the guy to stop killing, and I wanted to enjoy the teen drama. It's, you know, Jason, I, I know that you love killing people. Can't you kill some characters in another lake? I want to see what, if Shelly's ever going to get laid. Well, and see, th- that's kind of the way I feel about Predator 2. That Predator 2 is a really strong sequel to Predator. At the same time, it's a great near-futuristic cop thriller. And sometimes when the Predator shows up, he gets in the way of the cop movie I was enjoying, you know? Yeah, and Predator 2 is, is great. The... I was going to say, you want Shelly to end up with that girl. You want to enjoy the Cheech and Chong comedy with the two old stoners. And then there's the pregnant girl. The the other Friday the 13th film that I really love is is Tan, Jason X. Oh, yeah, J- I mean, Alex, yes. when, when we did the retrospective, I think we all agreed Jason X is better than it has any right to be. And it is just a great flick. Yeah, yes, it's, it's 
out of all of the you know franchise horror franchise eventually end up in space you know joke sequels it's the one that does it's brilliant well i don't know if, if we're gonna really go critters four when they went into space was actually pretty good too no it wasn't it was horrible that <laughs> <laughs> I enjoyed Critters 4, but screw you. And with Thank that you for segue, not saying Leprechaun in space. <laughs> Leprechaun 4. Oh, shut up. Yes, Leprechaun Le- 4 is awesome. Leprechaun in the Hood is far superior. Nah, it's good, and it does have iced tea, but Leprechaun in space is just, oh, love it. Leprechaun 3 sticks in my memory more be only because of all the limericks. And Leonardo DiCaprio? And he's in Leprechaun 3? No, he's in Critters <laughs> Angela, 3. Or, oh, f- sorry. Wrong franchise, yes. dude. Wrong franchise. <laughs> well, so what about when when you've you've got a sequel that you love and you didn't hey. like the original? For uh, instance, with me, I hate 2001 A Space Odyssey. I love 2010 The Year We Make Contact. What has I'm a to be done so different? That, by the way, I, I hate 2010, and I'll, I'll I'll watch 2001 a million times. Pretentious snob. I absolutely, positively hated Rush Hour, but I genuinely enjoyed Rush Hour too. And then I was I was like, oh, okay, cool. And then when Rush Hour three came out, I'm like, oh, Rush Hour three should be good. And then I went back to hating it. So <laughs> Rush Hour two, I genuinely enjoy, and I hate Rush Hour one and three. Um, I have to go for Dark Knight and Batman Begins on that. As far as I can tell, I've watched a lot of Christopher Nolan films, and it's like he accidentally made a good film with the Dark Knight, with the rest of the time he makes passable crap that everyone thinks is art is artistic genius because they're used to watching even worse crap. See, I didn't he, like the Dark Knight, but you're entitled to your opinion. Christopher Nolan is he's just proof that if you feed someone shit for long enough, you give them a hamburger, they will assume it's filet mignon. What do you think has to happen, though, for for in these cases where you didn't like the original and you like a sequel? Do you think it's usually, like, especially in the case of 2001 versus 2010, they're such vastly different films. In the case of the Rush Hour movies, now maybe I'm overgeneralizing here, Cecil, but I saw them stylistically the same. I saw them tonally the same. I didn't see a big difference between them. Is it just your how you ingest the films or do you think something radically has to be done on a production level to make them that different for the case of rush hour two why i like it so much more than the first one um it seemed like chris tucker was not nearly as obnoxious and annoying as he was in the first one like the first one he felt more like ruby rod in uh fifth element and the second one he kind of felt more like a human being like not a caricature he still was kind of like he skated obnoxious occasionally but he kind of was reined in a bit and i just thought the action sequences were better i thought the villain was better thought that they gave jackie chan more like screen time and it just felt like a more full movie whereas the first one was basically like oh they're taking chris you know chris tucker and he's loud and obnoxious and he's gonna make fun of jackie chan and it's gonna be funny and I just despised it. And it wasn't funny, that's right. No, it was the opposite of funny. You're going to be grinding your teeth and clenching your fists when I say this, Josh, that I liked Iron Man 3 more than its predecessors. See, I didn't see Iron Man 3 because I didn't like Iron Man 1 and 2, so... I didn't like Iron Man 1 and 2 either, but I loved Iron Man 3. And you know what? Same with Captain America. Captain America, it was okay. It wasn't bad, but Captain America, The Winter Soldier, I ate that movie up and loved every frame of it. 
with Ronnie Cox as the president and Ned Beatty as a reporter? No, no, no. Chris Evans. That was that's Captain, the Captain America, America I like. Yeah, that's the <laughs> Captain America I like. The one with Kolchak the Night Stalker as a as a traitorous general. If you want to talk about the superior Captain America sequel and you want to be trollish, you got to talk about the one with Christopher Lee. Reb Brown as Captain America. You don't no, get for- more aw- in a motorcycle helmet. You don't get more awesome than that with ears painted on the motorcycle helmet. And yet they managed to mess it up. <laughs> yeah, imagine that. Reb Brown is fun as hell as Captain America, but Chris Evans I really appreciate in the role, and that's why I like Winter Soldier more than the original Captain America because he was into the role, and you had a director that was had a message about politics that yeah, I yeah that know. was that's the most Winter Soldier is the most brilliantly subversive blockbuster I've seen in years because they say you got the stand-ins for the NSA are literal Nazis. Yeah. That's brilliant. Thor, Dark World, Winter Soldier, then Guardians. Each time I watched a film, Marvel film like in those set, every single time it was the best Marvel film I'd seen since Iron Man 1. And I know I apparently I'm in the minority here, but Iron Man 1 was really good. No, so I good agree. Marvel. Iron Man 1 was good. Batman Returns, Hellboy 2, Desperado, Gremlins 2... Children of the Corn 2. <laughs> I'll agree with you. I'll agree with you on Gremlins 2. Desperado, I actually didn't like very much, but I loved Once Upon a Time in Mexico. So I'd go yes. the third one if I had to go one from that franchise. That was I a tough one for me. I won't quite go with you on Children of the Corn 2. I'll just say Children of the Corn 3 instead because I love Children of the Corn 3. I don't want to talk about those. Yes, hint, hint, for Halloween, we'll, doing, we'll be doing a full Children of the Corn retrospective, so we'll get into those. Army of Darkness. I didn't like and that as I'm, much as Evil Dead 2, but okay. Ah, uh, I love Army of Darkness. But And now, and since, oh, um, Hellraiser 2, yep. Phantasm 2. Oh, e- yes, easily the best of that franchise. Yeah, oh, so good. And now I'll go a little off the rails goofy. Karate Cop over Omega Cop. Uh, Ninja 3, The Domination. Yes! Although that's Death technically Stalker. not a sequel in any real way. It's not, but it is, so I'm going to go with it anyway. Deathstalker 2 and House of the Dead 2. What about some of the more off-the-rails ones? Like, I have one on my list, Scanner Cop, which is the fourth Scanners film, or a reboot, as Alex likes to argue it. I think Scanner Cop is not better than Scanners, it's as good as Scanners in a very, very different way. Well, first of all, the guy that's your lead is way better looking than anybody that was in any of the Scanner films. <laughs> I'm sorry, Michael Ironside. I'm not even gay, and I would swallow for Michael Ironside. Well, I would swallow for <laughs> Michael Ironside, but I would swallow with much more passion for Scanner Cop. But yeah, I did feel it more as a reboot, that it's not a reboot of the whole series but a reboot that took two and three out of continuity. Technically, it is a sequel, though, so I'd say this qualifies. It is a sequel. I mean, if it's taking two and three out of continuity and it's asserting its places in two, it does correctly what Superman Returns did wrong. Probably, I'd go with you. I'd say it's on par with the original because it's just so it's so cool and just different, and it was neat. I, I, it, it was a little. Um, it was a little more sci-fi action-y than the first one was Was more, I'd say, sci-fi drama. But, I mean, I, I love both of them, but equal, but in different ways. All right, well, 
Paranormal, um, Paranormal Activity 4 was one of the greatest comedies I've ever seen, considering you had these three like really mediocre horror films. And then you get this great comedy that comes along where they've got like this this connect and these dots and it's it's hilarious and the witches at the end. I was laughing my whole way through that. That was a wonderful comedy. What I'm going to say about that one is I'm going to kind of disqualify it because you didn't say it was a better film or as good as you just enjoyed it for the wrong reasons. <laughs> so I'm going to kind of kick that one. Wait, uh, are, you, are you telling me that was supposed to be that that? Paranormal Activity 4 with those fucking little kids. Yes, that was supposed dots. to be serious. I, you can't say that that one's really better. You just enjoyed it more. I can give you an unorthodox one. Okay. Police Academy 2 and 6. I'll give you 2, not 6. City Under... Okay, dude. I... I in A few months ago, about 6 months ago, I did a marathon of the Police Academy movies with a bunch of alcohol, and we did vlogs after every single one. And six is easily one of the best Police Academy films. It's because you were like balls deep into a bottle of vodka by that point. It's y- yet yet somehow I realized that five and seven were pieces of shit. Yeah, I'll agree. Well, we're with gonna we're gonna six. do a full Police Academy retrospective. God, I'm I'm outing all of our future episodes. I at will some agree point. with Diamanda here on six because you've got three, four, and five, which is you know. Sight gag from sight gag with the bare semblance of a story. But six actually does have a plot to it. There is stuff going on, and the story is taking a bit more precedence than the, well, let's make another joke about the fat guy. I didn't it's, like it's, it, but I did like two. I did like uh, their first assignment, so. Now, six is more childish in, in its tone than some of the other ones, and that's, you know, not not going to deny that. Okay, two, three, sorry, three, four, and five spent all their money on these, you know, it's like, oh, we got some comedy bits, comedy bits, comedy bits, oh, look, something really expensive at the end, like a balloon or boats or some crap. Six, they actually put, put that money into scripting it. They actually yeah. came up with jokes. Because there's no over-elaborate, you know, eye-rolling sight gags in six like you do in the, the predecessors. Yeah, I'll go with uh, Karate Cop because uh, it, it goes, uh, I mean, Omega Cop, was uh, supposed to be a post-apocalyptic movie, but it really wasn't. It was just kind of like things were a little bit run down. Whereas Karate Cop, they went all in. This is definitely the apocalypse. Uh, there are you know people that are mutant mutated, and uh, it's just you know they had the gladiator combat and all that stuff, and it was just much more fun and much more of what you know it's I, it's post-apocalyptic, so automatically that gets a win from me. So. Yeah, that's my unorthodox pick. Why discounting Diamanda's most movies are crap, therefore the sequels are crap thing, which I'm not disagreeing with at all, Miss Hagen. I'm just <laughs> saying for the sake of this argument, let's let's kick that, okay? Why do sequels tend to be worse and worse? Is it like how Joe Bob Briggs, I think, brilliantly satirized why why he thought Halloween 3 failed at the box office was they tried to do something different. Didn't you learn anything from the Friday the 13th franchise? Just make the same movie over and over and over again with a different cast. Of course it failed. You, you went off formula. Do you think that is kind of why they, they fail? That either they're too far off formula or they're just too far on formula in most cases for sequels? I'd say it failed because people went in there expecting one thing and they got something else. They were expecting the formula and they didn't get it. If they had called it something other than Halloween, 
that they probably would have got a better chance. If a formula works, why change it? Well, it's risk. It's it's risk uh, compared you know compared to reward. If you have a little bit of risk in changing your formula for a lot of reward, then you'd be stupid not to change it. However, if you've got a successful thing, then changing it, you know, you get much more chance of breaking it. So he's encouraging people to play it safe, which is intelligent, but it means that films are less interesting. Well, a few movies have over the years, they've broken from formula. And a lot of times, such as with Halloween 3, uh, the fan base completely turns on it. Now, thankfully, over the years, people have rediscovered Halloween 3 and see that it's actually a really cool movie. Funny, because there is a possibility that if Halloween 3 did come out and it was another Michael Myers film, if it would have done poorly, that might have ended the franchise right there. So uh, it's that speculation going on. But I always appreciated three because it did go off. A sequel doesn't have to deviate that far from the formula. I mean, because that was supposed to set up a new series where it was just going to be each Halloween movie was going to be a different theme. But I do think movies like the Friday the 13th and Nightmare on Elm Streets, they could do with branching things out a little bit and and trying new things like Jason X, where that was just concentrated fun and fan service. Uh, I don't think there's anything wrong with that. I actually think that that will help to uh, rejuvenate a franchise because it goes so in another direction, but it still remains the foundation. I mean, it still was a slasher film, so it was it was cool. It was good. I appreciated it for taking or appreciated them for taking the risk and doing something so out in left field. That can really bite you in the ass, though. Jason goes to hell! I think, well, to, to backstep a sec, I see, think Halloween 3's greatest problem is that it's called Halloween 3. It should have just been its own movie. I think it would have found great success if it was just Season of the Witch. Um, which, is, which was a good title until Nick Cage went and wrecked it. The yes. idea of doing a, a Halloween series of doing different wildly different films every time it's not a bad one their problem was that because it was the third halloween film after two michael myers is people were primed to expect more michael myers if it had been halloween 2 it probably would have done better and there's people that have succeeded in doing that recently like vhs 2 i enjoyed a hell of a lot more than vhs 1 when they're doing these anthology pieces that are just we've got a title for the package but that doesn't mean they're all about the same thing then yeah. didn't didn't Friday didn't Nightmare on Elm Street two do the same thing? Radically broke from what the first film did. I know it wasn't really a franchise at that point yet, but it radically broke from what the first film did. wasn't really all that successful at the time. It's much more well appreciated now. And then the third film, as much as I think it's the best in the franchise, kind of went back to formula or went back to reestablishing what the formula would be, wouldn't it? People that knew what they were looking for found it like, oh, wow, this is, you know, there's a, a gay thing going on here. But you didn't really get it unless you were, well, gay. Okay, well, basically that with the Friday the 13th ones, they're a bit like the James Bond films and they took a long time to crystallize, really. Like they, each one sort of changed a little bit from the last one. Like, like for instance... It wasn't until the third one that, you know, Jason even got the hockey mask. It's like a little bit changes each time, and then it wasn't until, like, the fourth one or whatever that the, the real style of Friday the 13th was completely crystallized. Or even you could argue when he came back as a zombie, that's when Friday the 13th completely 100% was there. It just took a long 
and the little changes happening each time. It's like like the James Bond films. I dare anyone to watch Dr. No and from Russia with Love and actually feel like they're in the same series as the later Bond films. Goldfinger is the first proper Bond film. Oh, it's got everything. I agree. In fact, on my list that I had skipped over was Goldfinger because Dr. No and from Russia with Love were practically dry runs. Like so, some of them have have they got different things like all of the Bond elements are in those films, but they're sort of spread between the two of them. While Goldfinger has all of the elements. So it took Goldfinger to kind of coalesce. Yeah, yeah. Some series do that. It's it's weird to, you know, it's sometimes you can only see it in retrospect. Well, what about when a sequel does such an either a tonal shift or or just it. It almost is made for a different audience than the original. Like how if you watch Mad Max and the Road Warrior, other than the Max character, they don't seem like they're part of the same franchise because they're so tonally different. Whereas when you've got like the Omega Code, which Diamanda, Alex, and I went into in detail, and then you've got Megiddo, its batshit insane escape from institution cousin, you go... I don't see how Megiddo was made for the same audience that enjoyed the Omega Code. And this is coming from a guy who loved the hell out of Megiddo. It sounds amazing. And I am ama- I'm just astonished that I have not seen it yet. And I really, really want to see it. Since we discussed Megiddo, I've watched a lot more Casper Van Dien movies. And the one thing I don't like about Megiddo now is that Casper Van Dien wasn't in it. But it had Michael Bean and Michael York and Arlie Ermey. Come if on. Gonna, if you're going to complain about a lack of an Omega Code character not being in Omega Code 2, you know, Michael Ironside. Exactly. As, as Michael York's weird, you almost get a feeling he's in love with him kind of assistant. Okay, I'm going to complain about Casper Van Dien not being in Omega Code 2 for the same reason people would complain about Jessica Alba being killed off really early in Machete Kills. We wanted to see the good-looking one throughout the whole thing. When you hire Brian Trenchard Smith to make a sequel to relatively uplifting and serious religious film, what did you expect to happen? Honestly, I don't know, but um, okay, I've next month I should be making my uh, film review of Megiddo uh, for my Hagen Reviews show, and one thing I discovered while working on the script for it. The, per- the people who financed Megato, that was T- uh, TBN, TPN, the, the Christian Broadcasting no- Network. They they funded it, and I can only assume they wanted to make a sequel, and they just gave Brian Trenchard Smith the money, and they didn't look at rushes. Okay, the for anyone who doesn't know, Mag- the first one is about, oh, look, I've discovered the Bible code. Oh, no, this is telling me about the Antichrist. Oh, look, there's the Antichrist. The Antichrist is vanquished. The happy ending. Yay. But then the second one, it starts off as a prequel to the first in, in the 60s, showing the Antichrist rise to power. But then it doesn't stop going. It keeps going, and then it sort of subsumes the original one and sort of takes its place. It's, it's like a prequel that they, they forgot to finish. And so in the sequel, you've got the, the Antichrist versus his brother. The Antichrist is ahead of the EU. His brother is the President of the United States, and they have like a big battle. It looks like Command and Conquer, War of the Beast or something. And he and then Michael, by Franco Nero. Then uh, the, the anti- Michael York turns into a plastic-looking CGI gargoyle thing, and you know, while well, Michael Bean's got a rifle, and then God 
But then God suddenly appears and kills all the Antichrist forces. So what happens here is technically the Antichrist forces were acting like, you know, in accordance with the rules of war and God committed a war crime. It's like evangelical cinema gave a decent budget for evangelical cinema to Brian Trenchard Smith and let him be, and let, and, you know, it's like the entire genre went crazy for an hour and a half. It's, it's fucking us from our perspective, not so much from theirs. And then before we end tonight, I want to bring up, I went and Googled a bunch of sequels that are better than the originals, and I saw one title pop up on numerous lists, and I had to wonder, did you people see the movie? And that was Temple of Indiana Jones and the Temple of Doom. That's a prequel. It takes place before Raiders of the Lost Ark. So why is that constantly listed as a sequel? Now, first off, I liked Raiders better, but that's not part of this. It's a prequel. It takes place two years earlier. Why is that listed on sequels that are better than the original? Marketing a sequel. It's the same marketing that you do for a prequel. You're cashing in on the trademark. It might as well be a sequel because this is another entry into the franchise. Uh, I think it's simply because a lot of people don't even realize that it's a a prequel. They just think it's a sequel. It came out second, man. That makes it a sequel. Oh, so those Star Wars movies that came out in the two, in the late 90s and early 2000s, those are sequels too, right? Morons. It's a little bit more understandable than with the Star Wars ones because nothing in Temple of Doom sets up Raiders of the Lost Ark. It's literally, uh, it, the only difference is the dates that are shown up every so often. So it's, I think it's a little bit more understandable, but yeah, it is definitely a prequel and it is the best Indiana Jones film. Maybe I'm on the outs. I liked Raiders the best of the four. Yes, there is as much as I don't want to admit it. There are four. Oh, I got to list a couple of films that are sequels that are better. Okay, go ahead. Wrong Turn 2, because Wrong Turn 1 is a piece of Wrong um, Turn 2 has Henry Rollins in it mm-hmm. beating. It has Henry Rollins blowing up mutants. Yeah, I'll give you that one. Yeah, I know. I, Wrong I've Turn 2 is really, fantastic. Yeah, I've um, been really. Eating Seaborn 2 season and telling me nothing but wonderful things about it. Henry Rollins is the host of a reality show that runs across the mutants in the in the woods. Exorcist 3? Yes, abso-freaking-lutely. I love Exorcist 3. Uh, Rise, Leap of the Beast. Sorry, no, not Rise. Leap, Rise of the Beast, which is the sequel to evangelical Christian uh, Seventh-day Adventist Antichrist battling parkour series made for about two pounds. Now, the, w- the way I look at it is, yeah, generally sequels are not going to be better. So I think that's why it's even more shocking when when you find out that one is better than the original, or at least as good as. I think it's kind of sad that we've gotten used to that. That we've gotten used to, well, it's a sequel, so it's not going to be as good, which is what makes it more shocking when they are. My final thoughts is it's not quite hit or miss. It mostly is, but you get directors like Francis Ford Coppola doing Godfather 2 that wanted – he intentionally wanted to make another movie that had another message to carry on in the spirit of Godfather. So he made Godfather 2. That's why – Every list that I'm sure you looked at put Godfather 2 in its top three or five. He also made Godfather 3, though. Yeah, I'm not talking about Godfather 3. That was that that was afterbirth. That was the placenta of the Godfather series. <laughs> because for the most part, 
uh, it's kind of like uh, musicians where they're working really hard to get that first album out. They put everything they have into it, and they get that one thing out, and it's really good. And then it's like, all right, that was great. Do it again. And then they want more. So uh, Scream 2, even though I know you don't like the Scream movies, but they do – I, I know, but the, they do have a valid point in one of Dewey's monologues where he talks about, well, everything has to be bigger. You know, we have to uh, have a higher kill count. There has to be more of this and more of this. And that's what, uh, you know, most times they want when there's a sequel. And the problem is, is that it's not always what makes a good sequel. It's like sometimes uh, you, you just have to do things a little bit differently or follow up continue the story well or just make a good movie you don't have to try to one-up the original every time or so, you can make the hangover 2 and just make the same movie over uh, in, in asia hate the hangover movies but exactly that's uh, yeah just just take the same exact movie and just do it in another place and and put a two behind it and and you know make millions of dollars well we got to wrap up though so I, I highly doubt that uh, any sequel Cecil Robot is involved in is going to be even as good as the original, but where could we find him anyway? Uh, you can find the original me over at goodbadflicks.com as well as geekjuicemedia.com. Where can we find Alex Jowski? And Alice, um, I'm sorry, um, geekjuicemedia.com. Yeah, he's getting bottomed in alleys. Bum <laughs> fights. <laughs> Except bum means something totally different. <laughs> where can we find where, where can we find Diamanda Hagen? At diamandahagen.wordpress.com, also on Tegutig, and probably one or two other places. But my mind is melting. And you can find me 1201beyond.com and contact the show at 1201beyond at gmail.com. If you guys want to see some good sequels, go off the list we we gave you. Just ignore the Spider-Man 2 comment. Ah.
fly. He's rounding first and really turning it on now. He's not letting up at all. He's going to try for second. The ball is bobbled out in center, and here comes the throw, and what a throw. He's going to slide in head first. Here he comes. He's out. No way safe. Six at second base. This kid really makes things happen out there. Batter steps up to the plate. Here's the pitch, and he's going, and what a jump he's got. He's trying for third. Here's the throw. It's in the dirt. Safe at third. Holy cow, stolen base. Taking a pretty big lead out there, almost daring him to try and pick him off. Pitcher glances off and winds up, and it's fun and fun down the third baseline. The suicide squeezes on. Here he comes. Squeeze play. It's going to be close. Here's the throw. Here's the play at the plate. Holy cow, I think he's going to make it. Before we go any further, do you love me? Will you love me forever? Do you need me? Will you never leave me? Will you make me so happy for the rest of my life? Will you take me away? Will you make me your wife? And do you love me? Will you love me forever? Do you need me? Will you never leave me? Will you make me so happy for the rest of my life? Will you take me away? Will you make me your wife? I gotta know right now. Before we go any further, do you
watch this. Beyond production. Visit 1201beyond.com for more great shows.